0: You're listening to the Illinois Farm Talk Podcast. Here are your hosts, Ben and Garth. Welcome again to the Illinois Farm Talk Podcast. I'm Ben Calcaterra, and I'm here with Garth Reynolds of the Illinois Pharmacist Association. Hello, Ben. Hi, Garth. So today, May 15th, 2018, we had a, a hearing today in the Human Services Committee of the Senate and that service committee heard house bill 3479 which
1: is our bill on managed medicaid uh, mcos right garth that's correct and this was a subject matter hearing so we did not have a vote on the bill within the committee at this point this was to allow the committee to hear extended testimony um, from the various stakeholders both and against the bill just so that the committee could del- dive deeper into the issue? So the bill, House Bill 3479,
0: it's a bill that um, from a, a high level look is going to help pharmacists and pharmacies be paid at a fair an equitable reimbursement rate as compared to fee for service Medicaid, which as we talked about the last time is uh, not the best reimbursement, but by far and large, it's better than what we're getting now after the April 1st rollout of the MCO program. So what we're asking for is a more, more transparency, which is going to increase reimbursement. It's going to increase the dispensing fee to a fair level. Um,
1: so, so Garth, how did we get here? How, how did we get where we are? Well, we got here with, um, as we talked a little bit in the previous episode, with the expansion of the Affordable Care Act, it allowed states to expand Medicaid, to experiment with putting that population into a managed care scenario, and basically carving out from the public ran or state ran Medicaid system into more of a private um, endeavor. And Illinois decided to exercise that right. Not all states did this. And by doing so, they um, started a pilot program which started in t- late 2014, 2015, um, which put about 65% of the state's population into a managed care scenario. And most of that was centered up in the Cook County area, in and the, and the surrounding Chicagoland area, the Metro East area, and then there was a segment around between Quincy and Decatur here in the central part of the state. And even then we started to see, from a pharmacy perspective, a negative reimbursements um, and underwater reimbursements on prescription claims. And we started reaching out to the department to have these discussions about trying to find ways of remedying this. And we were even looking at legislation even back then of trying to find ways of if we couldn't get negotiations to work, that this would be our option to go forward. Um, start rolling forward now to 2018, which, or actually 2017, looking at last year, where the the proposal was to move to all 102 counties, which would increase the percentage of the population to 80% in the managed Medicaid program. By rolling out to all 102 counties there was a lot of questions about whether this program was too big and um, there are many reports that this program is already going to run over its projection and some projections are looking at over 23 billion dollars. So there's are already a lot of questions about whether or not that the state is getting its return on investment. But as we looked at and um, hearing from pharmacies throughout the state, as this program expanded in, on January 1st of this year, and for most of our um, members throughout the state on April 1 of this year, we saw a significant drop in reimbursements for uh, medications for these uh, managed Medicaid pay recipients, and to a significant um, divide. And what we're and as we've talked about, not only with Medicaid for the last number of years, but we've also talked in the House Human Services Committee and the House Appropriations Committee, and now in the Senate, we're not just talking about losing a couple dollars here and there or 50 cents. We're talking 25, 50, sometimes $100 or more below the acquisition cost. So it's for what the cost that pharmacies have to purchase to be able to get the medication into their pharmacy. And it doesn't take much reasoning to consider and common sense, it doesn't take much common sense to take a look at this and go, if any business is buying a product at X and you're getting, you know, let's say it's $10 and you're getting reimbursed at $1, there's a a huge imbalance here. And it's gonna take a lot of business to try to overcome that loss and with the Managed Medicaid program continuing to expand with their goal to try to put everyone into Managed Medicaid, it really starts to make you question whether the program is considered to be sustainable. And our position is that it's not. When you look at pharmacies, especially up in the Cook County area and the Metro East area, since the beginning of the pilot program, we've seen a reduction of pharmacies by at least 5%, in some areas a lot greater than that. And that adds on to a lot of the access issues that that we continue to um, be concerned about. Because our goal, of course as pharmacists, is to make sure that we're serving our communities, which means we have to be there. And so what we're trying to do with House Bill 3479, it is due to the failures of HFS negotiating and being good stewards and administrators of their program in assisting pharmacies and making sure that we had equitable um, reimbursement and adequate reimbursement to keep us as providers in the program. Because as as you know, pharmacies are not required to be providers in a program uh, such as this. And it's a voluntary process. And right now, uh, Medicaid's really not making a great argument for pharmacies to stay in it. And that's something that we really hope changes because pharmacies do want to be a part of this. They want to serve their communities but we also have to make sure that they're getting properly reimbursed. So that's what um, 3479 House Bill 3479 does. It allows for our reimbursement methodologies to be put back at the traditional fee-for-service rates. And as we talked about in the last episode, that's not the greatest, but it gets us at some type of a predictable level that we can maintain pharmacy operations in the state.
0: Yes. And you know, I like your example that you use for all the non pharmacists out there that don't understand PBMs and reimbursements and you used a ten dollar product that is reimbursed at a buck, which you know any business is not going to last long with that kind of methodology. But let's add to that the fact that we are healthcare providers providing life-saving information at the pharmacy counter and time and service that any other health health care provider is reimbursed for their time and those sorts of fees we call them dispensing fees are being reimbursed down to a buck fifty and thirty-five cents even in, in some plans so if you're using an example of a ten dollar hammer and somebody walks in to say you know I want to buy this hammer and also will you tell me how to use it and they say, I'll give you a buck for the hammer and 50 cents for the explanation. So, wow, you made a buck 50 on a $10 hammer. You know, that it, it doesn't take long to explain and educate people that this is not going to sustain pharmacy. And this bill is going to help keep the doors open. So, in the hearing that we had today, that was one of the issues that was brought up, is the dispensing fee, the subpar dispensing fees that are are being given out in these MCO contracts. We also talked about how these MCOs are affecting local business, the impact it's having on patients, uh, which was you know very moving, uh, and I think it, it, it hit an accord with the committee members there. So, Garth, what, what points stood out in your mind from today's subject matter hearing?
1: Well, I think, as you stated, we got to tell a lot more of our story today. Um, as not, not saying that we haven't in the House, but we were able to help explain to the Senate really for the first time to help set the stage of how this this program is impacting pharmacists. And is going to have a direct negative impact on patient care delivery. But what also was vitally important is we were able to um, bring in um, NCPA. They were gracious enough to come out and help support us and um, provided testimony talking about the whole national picture of this program and that this is just not an Illinois problem. And that uh, some states have taken action to address the issue and some have already started to see um, significant impacts in the positive for making those actions. Like West Virginia, um, they decided to go for a full carve out of their pharmacy benefits Back in um, midway through last year, and looking at trying to save about 30 million dollars a year, and just for the first quarter so far of 2018, they're estimated they've already um, um, a reported actual savings of around 12 million dollars. So, it does show that if you bring these programs back in house, get rid of the middleman that doesn't need to be there except to suck up money you can actually still provide a cost savings benefit, not only to the taxpayers, but also making sure that proper patient care is still delivered for the Medicaid recipients throughout the state. And also looking at, you know, other states like Kentucky and Virginia have started to really start diving into what data is out there and is is all the information being presented so we can have full transparency of this program again we're talking about tax dollars and yes we have private businesses that are being brought in but just as much as there's pharmacies or private businesses they Medicaid can come in and take a look at our books in, rela- in relation to those prescriptions. And I think in relation to the managed Medicaid program, the pharmacy benefit managers and the managed care organizations need to be able to throw open their books as well. So the taxpayers of Illinois can finally have the full picture. And right now they don't.
0: So one thing you mentioned there was eliminating PBMs altogether. The fact that Medicaid was managing all these patients prior to the April 1st rollout or at least the vast majority of them Uh, One would think that Medicaid could still handle that if we could educate the legislators to the point that they Understand the problem and the money that these MCOs or the PBMs actually are sucking out of the state so is one viable option moving back to Medicaid fee-for-service altogether?
1: I, I think that is one, that, that is definitely one option that's available. Um, Cause like I said, West Virginia did that. They completely moved pharmacy back, um, carved it out completely. We're not we're not suggesting that in House Bill thirty four seventy nine. We're still saying that we want to try to work under the managed care umbrella, but there needs to be a lot more openness and transparency. There needs to be um, more direction of in, in enforcement and oversight from the department in administering their program, because as we need to look at how the contracting worked under this program, the department meaning here in this case. Healthcare and Family Services or Medicaid is only contracted directly with the managed care organizations. They don't have any direct oversight to the pharmacy benefit managers. The only way that they can enforce anything on the pharmacy benefit manager is to hold the managed care organization accountable. And you would think in most situations that would be enough, and I would agree with you, but. We've seen clearly here in Illinois and definitely demonstrated in other states that the pharmacy benefit managers have not been completely clear with their managed care organization partners. It's something that the managed care organizations need to start questioning for themselves. Are they getting the complete picture of the data? Are they being charged appropriately back for the medications that their, their subcontracted vendors are reimbursing to the pharmacies? Well, it's obvious that
0: after the Auditor General's report of all the money that's being sucked out of the state and not being managed correctly after the MCOs were involved, that somebody isn't really paying that kind of attention that needs to be paid to, whether it be by the Medicaid uh, department office or whether it be by some other Uh, department or enforcement agency within the state, somebody needs to be paying a closer eye because the data is out there. The Auditor General's report puts that onus on Medicaid to say you should have done a better job with this program and they obviously didn't. So uh, one of the things that we do need is definitely that oversight. They definitely need to actually be in control of the program instead of just, uh, you know, acting like they are. But Going back to today's hearing, uh, you know, after the hearing, Chairwoman Morrison said that we will reconvene with another more detailed hearing. So in this next hearing that may or may not have more testimony given, but definitely a better question and answer period, what do we need to do between now and then as members of IPHA to help further this along?
1: What our members need to be doing is calling each and every one of the members of the Senate Human Services Committee, regardless if they're your senator or not. They need to hear your story. They need to hear how this program is devastating your practice. They need to be even provided with examples if you can get them to allow you to send them um, some of your examples, or at least if you can share them over the phone or through email. This is a vital time that we need all of our members, and regardless if you're a member of IPHR or not, we need all pharmacists stepping up, calling the human services committee members, telling them that this program is devastating to your practice, that this medica- this program is going to hinder your ability to provide quality care. And if it looks like it's going to have such a negative impact, be honest with them if this puts you into a situation where you may have to cease operations or severely scale back your operations. This is a vital time for our members to be reaching out because we don't take it lightly that pharmacies are going to close. And it is our opinion that if this program is not severely changed, we could see a significant drop in pharmacies. We've already started to see it. And we're already hearing projections from our members that some of them think they may not be here at the end of the year. And we need to be honest with our senators if that's going to be happening to your practice. And so we need you calling, we need you emailing, and we need you to keep doing it until this bill passes out of the Senate. So again, reach out to the senators. You can find information through our website or through our our farm flashes, and please contact them today. And if you've already done that, thank you and do it again.
0: That is great information, Garth, and I hope that everybody had open ears to listen to that request, uh, to call to action. If you're a member, if you're not a member, if you're impacted by any kind of pharmacy, uh, you know, even a patient, uh, spread the word to your patients and tell them that if this bill does not pass, there is a great risk that your pharmacy may close. Convince them to call their senator. Convince them to call their representative. You know, the, keep in mind that the, we're not done with the House. This, after this is uh, passed out of the Senate, it's gonna go back to the House, and we still need their support on, on these bills and amendments. So, uh, you know, we, we can't let up. We, we've got great momentum. We can't let up the fight now. We need all hands on deck. And for anybody listening that's not a member of IPHA, we need your support now more than ever. So please, please, please find the time to call the IPHA office, log on to IPHA.org, follow us on Facebook and Twitter at IL Pharmacists, and we will win this fight with your support. So please, please, please help us on, uh, call your legislators, Listen to our farm flashes that we send out in the email. If you are a member, uh, thank you for your membership, and thank you for calling. Uh, we'll be back soon with more updates for legislation across the state of Illinois. Thanks, Garth. Thanks, Ben. You've heard it here, Illinois Farm Talk, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Illinois Farm Talk podcast.